Hey, everybody, if you're receiving this message before we play this episode, it means that you are subscribed to a feed of the podcast that is soon going to be expiring. We're not stopping the podcast, but we are switching RSS feeds to make Substack our new host. So what that means is if you're getting this feed, you're probably getting it through SoundCloud itself. We're no longer going to be on SoundCloud starting in just two weeks. So September 25th, we're turning off the SoundCloud feed. So if you are subscribed on SoundCloud or any other minor podcast uh, service that's getting this message right now, we need you to switch, if you want to keep getting the show to your podcast feed, uh, to either Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon's Audible, um, or just go to Substack, dodissidents.substack.com. That's the easiest way uh, to continue getting these podcasts. You can even download the Substack app, which means whenever we publish a podcast episode, it comes right to your Substack app. You open it up just like you open up the Apple app or the Google app, and you hit play, and you hear the podcast episode. Substack is also a great alternative if you don't want to support one of the evil corporations like Apple, which enslaves children, um, Google, which monopolizes the dissemination of information, um, Amazon, which of course lets workers die on the floors of their warehouses, and Spotify uh, is of course equally evil in that they let Joe Rogan say what he wants to say. So there were, those are four equally evil corporations that I just mentioned there. Uh, if you don't want to support any of them, the best way to do that is go to dodissidents.substack.com and subscribe there for free, and you'll get all our episodes, videos, and articles uh, sent directly to your email inbox and or your Substack app. But most importantly, once again, you got two weeks to make that switch. This feed will expire in two weeks. We love you guys. We want to keep you as audience members, obviously. Uh, and so please switch over uh, to one of those services if you have not already so you can keep getting the episodes. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're putting a lot on the YouTube channel now. It's really grown um, by leaps and bounds uh, even in the, in the past month. Thanks in large part to the support of you guys and, of course, our patrons. So thanks very much, guys. Hope you enjoy this episode. everybody we are live what's up this is the do dissidents podcast and now i could say it's really more of a youtube show than a podcast now that we have our new studio set up here with uh russell dobular of course hello so everybody this is our sort of semi-official debut of the new technology for those watching on youtube we did a dry run on thursday but here it is here's our new set our new backdrop with the parchment paper we have some new technology we are now on youtube twitch twitter and facebook all at the same time to try and maximize our reach so i want to thank all of our viewers and, for and helping us out and yeah, and you porn, right? Exactly. That's the most we're, important. We're in the amateur section. Right. <laughs> right. For now. For now. For not now. for long. Not for, for long. Now. We're on our way up. Um, but I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for making this happen, especially they, our they, patrons. They don't call them Keaton Louisville Slugger for nothing. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. But that's for that's for the 
That's for the YouPorn exclusive feed. We can't do that you when gotta, we're on you gotta, you Twitch. Gotta, you you get banned for that. You pay exactly. by the minute for that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but seriously, we do want to thank all of our patrons and paid Substack subscribers for help making this happen. This technology ain't free, and we can only pay for it with your support. So anybody who wants to uh, go uh, to patreon.com front slash do dissidents. See, we could put it right in the uh, Chiron there. Thanks once again to this new tech that you guys helped us pay for. You can help us keep this show going and growing. Did you see the right wing had this, uh, the right wing media circulating this poster, Star Wars Rise of Brandon with uh, the Star Wars logo and Biden doing the fists and looking off to the side. Um, really just bizarrely I, I mean, that would, that, would, that would probably be better than the trilogy they just did. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, the 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 set design of that speech, I mean, you got to have a set designer there. I mean, it couldn't have looked darker. I mean, that was, I thought, I, I created a meme of, of Joe Biden with the blood red backdrop and the Marines staring out. And it seemed like one of the Marines was holding like a light in his hand that was shining out to the audience. I mean, maybe you could even see that here if I put this here. Oh, no, it can't because you're in a way there, Russell. Uh, no. Sorry. Thought I could make that happen. Couldn't. See, didn't think that out well enough. But you have one of the Marines holding this light. I mean, it just looks so Orwellian. I, I created a meme saying, this is the anti-fascist president. This is the non-fascist president. I think we're a little more fucked than we originally thought if this is the antidote to fascism. But we're going to talk about Biden's speech. We are going to talk uh, about the new Roger Waters tour. Roger Waters, of course, rock legend and political activist. Russell went to see his show at Madison Square Garden last week and picked up some merch for you guys to look at on the way out. We're going to talk about that. And then we do have a sequel to our hit segment about the Vanguard Boys uh, and Aaron Mate because they put out a sort of non-apology uh, for the way that quote-unquote debate went down. And listen, man, just like Hollywood, you make a hit, what do you do? You, you make, make a, a sequel. sequel. Exactly. So we got to keep it rolling. Our channel grew 20% since that video came out. It was a huge boon for us. So well, we want to thank the Vanguard. We're giving them a taste of their own medicine. I mean, they, they built a station around talking shit about other stations. Right. They talk shit right? about other people. That's how they <laughs> built their brand. So, you know. They, they've never met people like us. Hey, listen, in all seriousness, there really is no such thing as bad press. Like, we're not hurting them by doing this. If anything, we're helping them. People who never heard of them are now hearing about them. You know, whatever. They'll go check them out. You know, maybe they'll gain some hate watchers. We have some hate watchers. We love our hate watchers. We want to thank our hate watchers. I love uh, the poorly educated. Uh, you know? We, yeah, right. I, I, I actually, it's like, actually, we're going to do Roger Waters today. And, you know, his old partner, Sid Barrett, that he founded the band with, famously went crazy. And uh, it was partly because he liked the bad acid better than the good acid. He he purposely sought out bad acid, and it kind of melted his brain, uh, or so the legend goes. Uh, I'm, that's how I am with hate watchers. I prefer the hate watchers. I prefer you hate me than that you love me. It goes back to my childhood. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I could see that. I could see how that makes sense. Uh, Bill I, I Bradley. Was I was chained in a basement until I was twenty three. Well, there. That's more than just your childhood. Bill from YouTube says, who okayed those optics? Who saw that and thought, yep, this is perfect. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. It's amazing. Like as a theater director, 
that's how I would light the fascist. If I were doing a live version of It Can't Happen Here, that is how I would light the rally. It's really incredible. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. What? And according to some people, there was red and blue in the backdrop, but the blue just got cropped out. I'm sorry, that's no excuse. This is a televised really, speech. It's, well, it's, got... not, it's not an excuse. The blue wouldn't have helped it because no. he's in the red. He's in the He's red, in and you that, have those shadowy that's marines. That's where your eye is focused, and that too. These gargoyles stare, right. standing out. One of them has a light in his hand. We'll see. We're gonna play some uh, like, pieces like, of like the speech. This, like this is a Tim Burton Batman movie. This is Penguin running for mayor of Gotham. <laughs> right. This, this <laughs> is how they would lay that out. Well, I would say it's even worse. I mean, the Penguin is somewhat of a minor villain. You know, this is got, like... the, the Marines would have a couple of umbrellas back there. Right. That, yeah. That's no, how there you would was. Stage it. There was a sci-fi quality to this. There was a futuristic Orwellian quality to just the optics of that speech that was just truly extraordinary. It would have been extraordinary under any circumstances. Given that the thrust of the speech was that democracy is losing ground to fascism and we have to save democracy. Right. To have that right. set design to go there, with that. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, truly incredible. Um, but we are going to uh, give our review of the so-called Dark Brandon speech, as it has been branded uh, right now. I wrote a little article about the speech uh, this morning. And um, I'll just give a brief take before we go to the video. You know, you had a lot of right-wingers pearl-clutching about how divisive this speech was. You know, you had, um, you know, Shapiro, Hannity... Uh, Levin, Tucker Carlson talk about how this was an effort to sort of delegitimize or even criminalize the Republican Party as an organization, calling Biden a demagogue, calling this extremely divisive. And look, in normal context, I would sort of cede that point to them. That's a bit of a ridiculous charge coming from Trump supporters, the guy who um, launched his campaign by smearing Mexican immigrants as drug dealers and rapists, barred Muslims from entering the country as basically his it, first but, act but once wait, taking he, office. He, he, he said some are good people. He did people, say some. He assumes are that. good people. They always people. drop that part. Of yeah, the, right. Exactly. Of the speech. It was that. It was actually, I think, very, uh, very progressive for its diplomatic. Time. Right. That exactly. was all the way back in 2015. I mean, it was pretty. It's pretty open-minded for that era. Long time ago already. But, of course, one of the last things he tried to do before leaving office um, in the summer of 2020 was he suggested 10-year prison sentences be handed down to Black Lives Matter protesters for spray-painting, you know, dicks and balls on the face of a Thomas Jefferson statue, right? So the right-wingers can spare me the sort of faux indignation about how divisive Joe Biden's speech was. I didn't think that was the main problem with the speech. The main problem with Joe Biden's speech is that it's a complete lie, okay? The thrust of Joe Biden's speech is that he can work with the quote-unquote mainstream Republicans. It's these Trump Republicans, these MAGA Republicans who are beyond the pale. They can work and with Liz Cheney. He can work with Liz Cheney, right? Look, look, now, we pass a bill, you can get an abortion up to four weeks. It's bipartisan. God I don't even it. mean it. That even, you can work with. I mean, look, I don't even mean it from that level. I mean, on its face, that is a complete lie, given that the Democratic Party, this election cycle, is funding Trump Republicans in Republican primaries. We did a whole show about that earlier. We're going to revisit that in a moment, but let's go to some of the 
video here. Before we go to the video of Biden, Russell, you caught some footage from the green room, right? You have some exclusive audio from the green room while Biden was backstage. Do you want to? Oh, yeah, this this was this was their warm up. They were warming up for the show, I think. Yeah, those are the vocal warm ups in the in the green room. And yeah, I think I, Biden I, Biden may have overdone it with those vocal warm ups. That's probably why he was talking so much when he first he came hoarse. out. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most most people don't know he speaks German. <laughs> right, exactly. You exactly. know, he gets labeled a dumb guy, but he actually uh, yeah. And he's not a bad singer either. I think he just no. overdid it, no. you know, which is why he was kind of confident. No, a no, no. What out. really what no, what really messed him up was this. You can hear him straining the vocal cords. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all up here. That's all in that's, the neck. That's, you got to you, 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 you got Everybody diaphragm. knows you project yeah. from the diaphragm, not right. from the throat. Right. You can yeah, you can know? just hear he's doing it from you know. Bad form, bad form. Got to have good fundamentals as a stage performer, whether you're an actor, a politician, or both. All right, let's go to the video. Here's Joe Biden's uh, lies about um, extending an olive branch to the quote unquote mainstream. Republicans. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know, because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Okay, if that is a threat to this country... If you really believe that that is an existential threat to this country, then why is the DCCC and House Majority PAC and the Democratic Governors Association pouring literally millions of dollars into Republican primaries, boosting pro-Trump, the very MAGA Republicans that right. he denounces so strongly in this speech? And, they and are it, boosting and them. And in many cases, against these honorable Republicans who don't re don't support Stop the Steal. These exactly. are supposed to be the Republicans you want, right? Nancy Pelosi. Here's me, Nancy Pelosi, saying I want a strong Republican party. <laughs> but you don't really. You're, no, you're, of you're course. stabbing those people in the back. You're stabbing them in the back, right. You are actively working against the very Republicans who you say need to take their party back. Let's look at Michigan's third congressional district, right? There was an incumbent there named Peter Meyer. He was one of 10 Republicans in the House to impeach Donald Trump after the January 6th riot. Now, you would think that would have earned him the respect of Democratic leaders like Joe Biden, who says in that speech, we just heard him, hey, I can work with the mainstream Republicans. You would think it would earn him more than their respect. You would think, if anything, Democrats would support Peter Meyer in his uh, campaign right. so that they keep would a, not be the an anti-Trump Republican. Campaign for a Republican. 
Right, exactly. Wouldn't be the first time. Right, exactly. You would think they would want Meyer to hold that seat if democracy is really on the line. If our democracy is really on the line, and this is an emergency, an emergency that warrants a speech like this and actions like this, you would think they would go to bat for Peter Meyer against the Trump-backed challenger John Gibbs. Turns out, no. The DCCC, the, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, committee poured $400,000 worth of money into TV ads propping up John Gibbs, who was backed by Donald Trump. He supports all of the stop the steal shit that Donald Trump tried to pull. And he is one of the biggest proponents of a conspiracy theory that has to do with Democrats engaging in spirit cooking, which is a form of satanic ritual. Right. So this is this is one of the craziest of the MAGA Republicans who was running in a primary against one of the anti-Trump pro impeachment Republicans Listen, and Democrats. I, I am a spirit cooker from way back and I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> exactly right. And Democrats supported John Gibbs over you Peter have, Meyer. You have not had jambalaya until you've had it prepared. That right. Way. Yeah, exactly. That way. Exactly. Um, so they supported John Gibbs and guess what? With the Democrats help, John Gibbs successfully defeated Peter Meyer in the Republican primary for Michigan's third. And John Gibbs is now on the ballot in November. And this liar has the balls to come out here and say, Hey, we need the good Republicans to take their party back. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's party is sabotaging those very good Republicans in order to elevate these MAGA Republicans for the simple reason that they feel that the MAGA Republicans are going to be um, easier adversaries to defeat in November. Where did they try that before? Oh, yeah. 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they did try that, didn't they? The pot, but the Pied 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 Piper, Piper. the Piper Pied Piper strategy, the Pied Piper strategy, Hillary with, Clinton's uh, campaign, Hillary's brilliant strategy. They elevated Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. They told the media to elevate Cruz and Trump, give them more airtime, take them seriously because we want to run against either Cruz or Trump because Cruz or Trump will be easier to beat than, say, a Kasich or a Rubio. We saw how that happened. So, uh, uh, so, so Gary here says Biden isn't in charge of the DCCC, unlike the GOP. Okay, I'm will, so glad will, you mentioned that. I'm so glad I, you said I, I, that. I will grant you he might not even know about it because he's about a year away from uh, from putting pop diet. Um, the Trump candidates will lose in November. I, where have I heard that before? Th things have definitely been complicated by the road decision. Um, they're not going to do as well as they would have. You still have runaway inflation. We have not even begun to see the fallout from Europe going into winter without enough gas and Powell continuing to raise interest rates. He's on a mission to break the economy and it could very well break right around the time of the midterm elections. So making an assumption like that, if you really believe democracy is on the line, is the height of irresponsibility. You're not, you're not just risking the prospects of your party, you're risking democracy, right? That's what he's saying. And I, oh, don't, I don't I, I actually don't disagree. So you're going to risk that with runaway inflation, with the Fed chair promising 
essentially to drive the economy into a recession. That's essentially what he's saying, that a recession is preferable to 70s style inflation. So we're going. And and you're that confident the Trump candidates are going to lose? Well, we'll get to that because there's polling that indicates that that's not a sure thing by any stretch. And even if it were 75 percent a sure thing, if the stakes are as high as Joe Biden right. claims you they are, that? you would not take that chance. If you actually meant anything of what you said about the nobility of the never Trump Republicans, we saw, you know, them just, you know, kissing the feet of Liz Cheney right up until she lost her primary, then you would not be sabotaging these very same uh, you know, never Trump GOPers. Um, that's what Adam Kinzinger said. Hold on, I'm pulling up the quote here. Adam Kinzinger is another anti-Trump GOPer. And when he found out that the DCCC was pulling this shit, he said something that makes a ton of sense. He says, don't keep coming to me asking where are all the good Republicans that defend democracy and then take your donors money and spend half a million dollars promoting one of the worst election deniers that's out there, meaning John Gibbs. He's 100% right. And as for this, yep. as for your item number one there, Gary, I almost preempted. I didn't know you were going to write that, obviously. But I almost preempted you by saying, don't give me any of this bullshit that Joe Biden is not in charge of the DCCC and he doesn't make that call. Joe Biden is the leader of the Democratic Party. The buck stops at him, period. And at the very least, Joe Biden should publicly scold the DCCC for engaging in that kind of shit if he cared about this as much as he claims to in that speech. There's no excuse for it whatsoever. No excuse for it whatsoever. As for your second point there, Trump candidates will lose in November. We have more to say on that in just a moment, but I want to go back to the video first. The forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy. So are the non-MAGA Republicans, by the way. Liz Cheney, just as anti-choice as Marjorie Taylor Greene. No right to contraception. No right to marry who you love. Again. Oh, yeah. So no, are no, the non-MAGA no, Republicans. They're, exactly. they're, they are, they are, they're, they're running around with those rainbow flags flapping in the wind. Exactly. This is just ludicrous. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement, not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, but they look at them as patriots. And they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation for the 2022 and 2024 elections. Okay, so what he's saying there is that the MAGA Republicans are going to try to steal the 2024 race. All right, let's go to Exhibit B, the Pennsylvania governor's race, where Doug Mastriano, the current Republican nominee, who not only supported Donald Trump's election lies, Mastriano was actually at the January 6th riot and helped the crowd break into the Capitol building, right? So this guy actually got his hands dirty trying to overthrow the results, okay? Mastriano was running as a long-shot candidate in the Republican primary to be the governor of PA. 
Democrats boosted him and elevated him in that primary field. Josh Shapiro, Democratic nominee, spent $840,000 of campaign money boosting the profile of Doug Mastriano, basically pitching him to Republican primary voters. Doug Mastriano won the nomination. He, he is now on the ballot to be the next governor of PA. Now, Doug Mastriano is an election denier. Doug Mastriano will be governor of perhaps the most pivotal swing state in the 2024 presidential race. This is especially dangerous because in Pennsylvania, the governor alone unilaterally appoints the secretary of state. The secretary of state is responsible for certifying election results, which means if Doug Mastriano wins... Doug Mastriano can appoint a crony, a secretary of state, who will overturn the results of the election if the Democrat wins Pennsylvania. Follow that? So that yes. is the shit that Democrats have risked by elevating Doug Mastriano in that primary. At, at the same time, I think now with this data set, I think we need to make a radical proposition. Clearly, Democrats aren't any good at getting themselves elected, but they're very good at getting Republicans elected. So why don't they run as Republicans? Well, that would be something. That would be That's something it. because I just want to speak thing. to Gary's point. I want to speak to Gary's point. The Trump-backed candidates will lose. The latest poll out of Pennsylvania has Shapiro, the Democrat, at 47, Mastriano, 44. It's a three-point race it, within the margin of error. That and, is a and, very, and very Republicans close race. usually overperform the polls. Well, here's the thing. In a year like this, between Roe versus Wade and Donald Trump maybe announcing his candidacy, maybe not, um, and obviously macro factors favoring the GOP, it's an off-year election that historically favors them. Right. Inflation right. is going to be a big right. issue. There are a ton of X factors in terms of turnout, yep. which means yep. if the polling is within the margin of error— any serious political analyst would call it 50-50. There's simply no way to make a call in that race right now. There's no way to even guess who's going to win, which means don't give me this shit that, oh, the Trump people are going to lose. Mastriano is within striking distance. And when by the way, whenever, Joe Biden's approval rating. Democrats say that, it's almost a sure thing that the Republicans are going to outperform. Well, do you I don't, know I don't Joe think Biden I've ever heard Democrats say that and not wind up with egg on their face, ever. I mean, it's certainly possible. Joe Biden's approval rating in Pennsylvania is 39%. He did not get any real bounce in Pennsylvania from the IRA or the student debt thing. He's still under 40 in Pennsylvania. So don't tell me, don't tell me that the Trump candidates are going to lose. That's MSNBC bullshit. That's propaganda. How many times do you have to be upset? I mean, even in a blue wave year, Republican candidates shocked you at the state level. Everybody thought, what was the guy's name? The guy who ended up in a hotel room with the drugs on, uh, in his face? The guy who ran Gats. for governor of Florida. Gats. No, no, not Matt Gates. Right? No, no, he, was, he ran for governor of Florida as a Democrat. <sighs> who was I this? forget his name. African-American guy. He went on to work for CNN after... Gillum, Andrew Gillum, that's yeah. it, right? Gillum. He, he was found in a hotel with cocaine? Yeah, he's he's in like rehab, and he had like a nervous breakdown. Oh, I, a big I, you know what? I missed that whole thing. But anyway. That's why I didn't know who you were talking about. In a blue wave year, he was up by seven points going into election day. 
in a blue wave year. Yeah. And yeah. he lost to anything yeah. can happen, man. Anything can happen, man. It is completely insane to right. be gambling to like ta- this. To take that kind of a risk, because this is one thing I will say. Biden's not wrong in terms of his overall thesis that there is this faction in the Republican Party that is fully prepared to just chuck even the pretense of democracy. Not that we have real democracy now, but any pretense of it out the window, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Uh, You know, they are definitely trying to control these election boards and rig them in such a way that they can reject um, the vote. Yes, that that is is definitely happening. So you're going to empower these people on the premise that you guys who, let's face it, nobody fucking likes you. The only time anybody votes for a Democrat is when the Republicans scare the shit out of them enough and things are fucked up enough, they'll, they'll run to the Republicans. But you guys are so culturally, on a cultural level, you're so abhorrent to most of the country. You can never rely on winning outside of your blue state coastal strongholds. And even within those, usually the more rural parts of those states are still red. You can only really rely on the cities. New York is a deep red state with New York City in it. No, I mean, it's... It's a completely reckless thing to do. Actually, and, actually, I should say with four boroughs and Staten Island. And Staten Island in it, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's just completely reckless, and it's more than just hypocrisy. That was one of the pieces of feedback I got on the article. Well, he's not so much. They're not liars as much as they are hypocrites. No, they're liars because the thrust of the speech is that he is willing to engage in good faith with mainstream non-MAGA Republicans. That was one of the main thrusts of the speech, which, of course, is a lie because his party is sabotaging those people. And don't give me the excuse that he's not in charge of that. You're the president. You're the leader of the party. You're in charge of everything. If the DCCC is doing something that you don't like going into this crucial midterm, you can absolutely get the word out to knock it off. And he has not done that. He has not done that. So we know where he stands on this. It's not a mystery at all. And can we not, like, what is the tendency? I'm sorry, I don't mean to beat up on our commenter here, but what is the tendency to make excuses for this guy all of a sudden? They pa- he passes a bullshit fucking climate bill, and all of a sudden it seems like so many on the left are just, you know, they got, they got dark brand and fever now. Like, what is this? This was a bullshit speech. This was an absurd speech. Um, and, a comp- and just a fundamentally dishonest one. And, wow. um, you know, I don't think we need to be unclear about that. People like to root for heroes. It's a it's a flaw in human nature going back to our hierarchical primate ancestry. Well, if they want to root for a hero, they could root for Roger Waters. Why don't we do yes. that? Why don't we make this a segue? So Russell went to Madison Square Garden last week to the Roger Waters This Is Not a Drill concert. So, Russell, you can quarterback this segment. Let me know when you want me to play some video. Um, this was a really interesting concert, um, for some background, if you're not like a big, uh, Pink Floyd fan, um, you know, Waters lost both his father and his grandfather to war. His grandfather died in World War One. His father died in World War Two when he was five months old. Um, really 
the wall album is when he starts you start to see this anti-war um sentiment that he has very strong anti-war feelings a lot of that album is him working through the emotions and the trauma of of the loss of his father in that war and uh a warning about fascism you know he develops this kind of fantasy fascist party the hammer party with the crossed hammers um and it's just really i mean the wall is just a work of genius and you know, watching this concert where he was really, it, it, there were a few things going on here. On the one hand, look, he's 78 years old. This is probably his last rodeo. And it felt that way. It felt like he was taking a victory lap. He was saying goodbye. He was, uh, I, I've seen pretty much every tour he's done since he left Pink Floyd, um, going back to his first solo album. Um, he's never really gotten this personal. You know, he's trained as an architect. That's why the Pink Floyd sets and the stage shows have always been such a such a feature of their performances. And he continued that with his own shows. And, and with this show, it's architecturally impressive, as you'll, you'll see in the video. Um, but starting with the final Pink Floyd album, uh, the final cut, he really went full on into international geopolitics. Um, in fact, that's part of what caused the breakup of the band because David Gilmour, his writing partner, the, the guitarist really didn't want things to go in that direction. He really didn't like the album. They mostly recorded separately. Uh, things got so bitter between them. Um, sadly, even in their dotage, they're still fighting about access to the Pink Floyd Facebook page <laughs> like they just they were never able to resolve this um, but he made a big turn into really discussing those things that the final cut album was partly inspired by he was very angry about Thatcher sending the Navy to intercede in the Falkland war it, it seems to have triggered him um, and a lot of that album is basically accusing Thatcher and the conservatives and the Tories, just basically the post-war government of betraying what he calls repeatedly in the album, the post-war dream. Um, and, you know, paints a picture. Remember, this is the early 80s. The, it, you're coming off a very bad economy in the 70s and early 80s. Um, so it's very much about a de-industrialized England. Um, the school teacher who's such a central character abusing the protagonist in the wall has three songs about him basically as being somebody whose mind was shattered by world war ii and that's why he's so abusive towards the children um so it's 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 a very very interesting album but from that point on really he's been a very very committed and outspoken activist in a in a in a very global way he's been one of the few who is really willing to take unpopular stands the kinds of stands that don't get you invited by the queen with elton john to get a knighthood that right. like supporting bds exactly, and yeah, exactly. Speak, speaking out against the yemeni gem genocide he he speaks out about the things that if you if you want to be invited to the uh, to the big fashion shows, you you don't talk about things like that. He's he's so many of these 
pop stars and rock stars of that generation. Elton John is a prime example. Not that Elton John ever really stood for anything. He was just a very good pop artist. But so many of them have just gotten folded into this whole corporate capitalist intersection of fashion and brands and just selling crap to consumers. Like so many of them just got absorbed into that. Um, and, you know, I, I don't see Mick Jagger walking around taking a stand about anything. I, I don't I don't see any of these guys. Really, I don't even see Bob Dylan doing that. I, I don't see any of these people doing that. Like, like there are very few of that. What, what boycott Joe Rogan? That's their big fucking politics of the, you know, of right. Yeah, exactly. Musicians from that generation. Well, I even don't that know. fits perfectly into what you were just talking about. Just mainstream, liberal, corporate friendly, capitalist friendly. Yeah, we'll play right. live aid to support the environment, right. whatever. Right. You know, right. Uh, right. Rainbow logos here, there, whatever. But no, very few people are the real deal in the way that Waters is. There's no doubt about that. Um, should we go to your video? This is shot by Russell himself. Some yes. original do dissidents cinematography here. Hold on, let me set the movie. Exclusive footage, they call it in the biz. I'm going to pull the lights down. And let's give this a look here. If you're one of those, I love Pink Floyd, but I can't stand Roger's politics, people. You might do well to fuck off to the bar. The other thing about nuclear weapons is that they're completely useless. They're absolutely no good as any kind of a defensive weapon. They're incredibly expensive, and we could use that money for, I don't know, education, baby formula, helping the homeless, looking after people a little bit worse, so it's that sort of thing. And so it's throwing it into the pockets of whoever it is who owns the, owns the uh, armaments industry in this country, and other countries. It's not just the United States of America, there's a huge arms industry in Russia as well. Okay, so I'm not just picking on the United States of America. I, shall I stop now? Yeah, okay, I will. Hey, for for 78, he sounds very good, and he does two sets, as I understand. It's a long night of music. Yeah, he had an intermission. Uh, yeah, he's one of the few who doesn't sound like total shit. You know, I, I don't I don't actually know what kind of singing training he had. Most of these guys were just, you know, naturals who never had any training. That's why by the time they're 50, they, nah, 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 you know, it's like a disgrace. <laughs> to go, you, like you just don't want to go see them because it's going to destroy your memory <laughs> of, of the artist that you once loved. Uh, no, he still sounds really good, especially for that age. Yeah, um, and you know, Pink Floyd music. Quite. I mean, they were one of the. I mean, they're they're pro arguably the most successful art rock band ever. I mean, that's serious music. Those are serious compositions. There, you don't just go up there and croon Sinatra shit, you know, for three hours. Like it's it's hard. It's complex. You know, it's interesting. Right. So he looks well, great. That, but you that, do that's so, that's something that struck me actually. I mean, you know, it's a politics show, but on a musical level, I was talking to somebody today and i you know i'm not trying to like single her out but this is a big part of why i can't get into any music now like how am i going to listen to megan the stallion when i came up on that you know it's it's this jazz influenced very complex compositions that travel that don't just stay in one place for the entire song it's not just a hook a beat and an in and an out it's 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 a real composition 
I can't listen to this shit now. And, and, you know, I mean, this isn't just an older thing. They've done scientific studies on this. Music now is much more repetitive than it used oh, to yeah. be because it just became corporatized. They mm -hmm. just then they applied the logic of the television jingle to pop music. Okay, get a hook in there. Right, you get it's a hook. It's going to make them come back, and, and that's it. There's no art to it. There's no complexity to it. Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes there's art to it. I'm a sucker for a good song. I still like a song. I listen to sure. a ton of music. So, But but I would agree. I mean, you know, Pink Floyd, um, they're a very special band in the sense that, like, a lot of their song, like, you wouldn't even really call them a song band so much as a sound band. And a, a right. sort of project right. band, a theme band, right. you know, right. like the Con wall. Those were all concept albums. Right. Those were concept albums. Right. I mean, Dark Side of the Moon, you have like a song like Money. That's a catchy, you know, hit tune. But even that, it's six and a half minutes. It's got this extended jam with the sax solo and everything. It's just, yeah, it's it's great stuff. Um, and obviously, Roger Waters is a major anti-war activist, which is very relevant. You saw that section well, there about so nuclear he's on, weapons. He's on a hit list. He made... He made the Wall of Honor. There's a far-right Ukrainian group that runs a website that has uh, literally thousands of names of people that they've listed as enemies of Ukraine. Um, and some of these people have been murdered. They dox them. They put their addresses up. They put their phone numbers up. After he did that Smirkanish interview, they added Waters to the hit list. Oh, you know, okay. they, they don't claim it as a hit list. Um, well, this is very relevant, obviously, because of the what you sent me just before we went on the air, which I did have a chance to watch this morning. Break, Breaking Points did a segment about this, about how in April of this year, just a couple months after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, yes. it seemed like the parties were getting ready to broker some sort of a peace deal. And Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, flew to Kiev and basically said, no, these terms are off the table. These are off the table, which proves what we suspected all along, which yep. is that the West wanted this war. And I have to say something because and I don't and, say and, this. And, 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 I, and actually, I know we're segueing, but I just I just want to mention this. Waters actually replied at the beginning of this war to a 13 year old Ukrainian fan, a 19 year old Ukrainian fan who sent him a letter. And he basically said that he re he responded to her very you know kindly uh you know she was talking about the horrors of being in ukraine and being under this uh situation uh but his answer to her is and i quote i regret that western governments are fueling the fire that will destroy your beautiful country by pouring arms into ukraine instead of engaging in the diplomacy that will be necessary to stop the slaughter Rest assured, if all our leaders don't turn down the rhetoric and engage in diplomatic negotiations, there will be precious little of Ukraine left when the fighting is over. A long, drawn-out insurgency in Ukraine would be great for the gangster hawks in Washington. It's what they dream of, playing the game as they do, with the bravery of being out of range, which is a, one of his lyrics. I desperately hope your president is not a gangster, too, and that he will do what is best for his people and demand of the Americans that they come to the table. Sadly, however, many world leaders are gangsters, and my disgust for political gangsters did not start last week with Putin. So he nailed it. 
He nailed it. And um, by the way, I see that we have a very lively YouTube chat this evening. So thank you all very much for watching. And we are getting to the Vanguard stuff. We've got a few people itching for the Vanguard stuff. Don't worry. We're not going to forget the Vanguard stuff. Our hit sequel is, is coming up next, but we just got to finish this segment first because... John Williams is putting the finishing touches on the theme. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're just doing the final master on the, the final edit there, right? Exactly. Um, no, look. Who else nailed it? I got to toot my own horn here. I nailed it. We nailed it from the very beginning. We went live the day of the invasion. And I will admit fully, look, I was born in 1986. My understanding of war and peace when I was coming of age had to do with United States misad um, United States misadventures, pardon me, in the Middle East. Um you know, I was not hip to the geopolitics of, you know, uh, Eastern Europe and Russia and Ukraine. I knew there was tension between Russia and Ukraine because that came to a head at various points throughout the Obama years and even back to, into the Bush years. But I didn't know all that much about this. Like, I will fully admit um, I was not well versed in the history there. I just didn't have a great sense of what I was talking about. But nonetheless, we went on the air the day the invasion launched and... I said then, uh, this seems like it was completely preventable because the terms that Russia laid out from before the invasion was launched seemed very much meetable. And I'm going to say meetable. I'm not going to say reasonable because I know that's a loaded thing to say. I don't want to sound like I'm taking their side because I'm absolutely not. This is an illegal invasion. They're targeting civilians. That's a war crime, period. There's no justification for it. But... Their three demands, which were uh, Ukrainian neutrality, no NATO for Ukraine, um, recognition of the Crimea as Russian, and independence of the separatist regions. Those three demands seemed very meetable. It seemed like we could have very easily just said, okay, you win. Would it have been a diplomatic loss? Would we have had to take it on the chin? Sure. But as President Obama said, uh, Ukraine will always be more important to Russia than it is to the U.S. We're not willing to risk bloodshed over this. And we could have encouraged the Ukrainians to take that deal. And the fact that we didn't sent a signal to my brain, as someone who knew very, very little about the politics and the history here, that the West wants another war. And this yep. is going to be it. Yeah. And turns out my intuition was 100% correct, despite my knowledge base being very, very limited on this subject. Now, I don't say that to brag, even though I kind of do. I kind of do say it to brag. But <laughs> the, the, the point is not that I'm a genius. The point is that it's so obvious to right. a layman that the West wanted this war. And they didn't just want it. They didn't just want the war. They wanted a prolonged war. They wanted right. a forever war. Well, this um, is this is so obvious that we knew us. it on day one, hours into the invasion. And we took a lot of shit for that episode. A lot of people were very upset because it was fresh, right? It was fresh. Right. Like we were talking politics as everyone was glued to the TV saying, oh, my God, what a monster Vladimir Putin. And we're saying, yes, of course, Vladimir Putin's a monster. But if the West wanted to stop this from happening, they could have done so pretty easily. And they should have. And shame on them for not doing it. And that's the page that Roger Waters was on. And that's the page that we were on. And it's let, not a let, difficult let me, page to be on something. if you just open your eyes. Let me tell you something. Western enthusiasm for this war is going to end the day the first German freezes to death for lack of heating uh, gas. 
Well, there were protests in the streets of Germany this afternoon. The Germans want the fucking gas back on. Also, I think in uh, Czechoslovakia, there were there were protests in Prague. Uh, I think yesterday, basically saying, fuck NATO. We want to make peace with Russia and we just want to get the gas. Exactly. Wait, exactly. wait, wait until Europe goes into this winter. They're chopping down trees in Germany to get prepared. They're calling it biomass. They used mm -hmm. to call that firewood. OK, that's what you're doing. You're chopping down fucking firewood like like you're in the German camps waiting for the Roman armies to come. OK, so <laughs> you call it biomass, whatever you want. You're chopping down firewood to get through the winter. Europe being subjected to that, the enthusiasm for this is going to go out the window very, very quickly. And the cries of the people to force a negotiation are going to get loud really, really fast. You're talking about natural gas. The price has gone up 700% in the last year. How do, how do people afford that? People are freaking out here about 80% increases in fuel costs. Can you imagine 700%? That happens here. You're going to have riots in the streets. It's only because the Europeans are more civilized than we are that they're not already burning shit down. Well, not only think, that. What do you think it's going to be like in December? Of course, when it gets cold. There hasn't been a winter yet under the Russian-Ukraine right. war. They invaded right. in late February. You haven't had to go a long winter with no energy, with no gas coming in. Yeah. Um, not only that, in terms of inflation in terms of the price of food in terms of food shortages that could all get much worse in a few months the ukrainian planting season the fall planting season is just about to get underway they actually had a better than expected spring planting season um given what was going on in the country at the time but one of the things that the media doesn't seem to want to tell people is that Ukraine is actually in much worse shape now than it was at the beginning of the invasion because they're not winning the war that's the truth. And so if not enough crops get in the ground over these next eight weeks, you could have skyrocketing food prices yep. going into the yep. wintertime. Yep. So, you know, it could always uh, just get worse. I want to respond. Which, 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 which is another reason you got to be a fucking fool to feel confident. No, no, no. We can we can promote uh, insane Republicans. They'll lose. Right. We got this. They'll, we got it in the lose. Back. Exactly. Exactly. All right. T talk, talk to me when bread is $8 a loaf. Okay. All right. Gary has another question here. And thank you for sticking around, Gary. And thank you for watching. And thank you for being our virtual sparring partner for the evening. Who thought that Russia <laughs> would have been contented? Crimea was invaded just the beginning of returning Mother Russia. Uh, you don't know that Russia would have been contented. But the fact is, they laid out terms. And. You could have met those terms very easily. Now, if you meet those terms and they invade anyway, that's a completely different situation, obviously. But you, the, the, the point is we had a chance to engage in diplomacy, and we chose not to do it. And even when Russia and Ukraine were ready to sit down at the table, the West intervened and said, no, 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 these terms are not acceptable to us. Why it was any of our business— it's above our pay grade to know that for sure. But we know now from new uh, reporting that Boris Johnson put the kibosh on a potential peace negotiation. This could have been over months ago. It could have been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I, uh, what is I, it? Every, September? Every, Five every, months ago. Every time things like this come out, I just I think of all the people walking around with the fucking ribbon. 
look, the right wing has a phrase, but it perfectly applies. I am completely committed to the latest thing. That's what right. these people are, man. They, they told you to go batshit about Ukraine, and you did. You did. You didn't ask any questions. You, you didn't. You just had to signal your virtue walking around with your Ukrainian flag. And what? You, you really thought these scumbags cared about Ukraine. You thought they really cared about Ukraine. Anytime, if there is one thing that watching our leaders over the last several decades should have taught people. It's when they start talking to you about atrocities and, and uh, you know, horrors and start ginning you up for war, put your hand on your wallet, okay? They're <laughs> never interested in going to war for those reasons. When they start buttering you up that way, start asking what their real motives are because those are never their motives if those were really their motives there are about 30 countries we need to go invade right now that don't have any oil right don't yeah, have exactly. any strategic value that's never the reason exactly. it's just amazing to me that people fall for that every fucking time it's like watching the same goddamn movie over and over again and it's 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 like every everyone has that fucking disease where you where you forget everything the next moment because they don't seem to remember how that movie ended every goddamn time they fall for it every time yeah no absolutely and you know that's one of the other reasons why like i'm just sort of instinctively wired to question when that shit starts happening okay when everybody starts thinking one thing it's probably worth taking a look at the other things yes. that you're yes. not supposed to be thinking just not that that always checks out Right, you know, but, I I I have a theory about especially that. when it comes to I, war. I, and peace. I have a th I have a theory about that with Jews. You know, you have you have some uh, you have some Jewish blood there. It's natural selection, man. For thousands of years, Jews who didn't sense, you know, man, I I, I don't like the way the Pharaoh's talking lately. You know, the, the <laughs> right, Jews exactly. didn't didn't survive. The ones that survived were the ones who were like, hey, you know, these Germans they got a little antsy. <laughs> I, I don't I don't like the vibe in Munich right now. Here's a Jewish joke that I made up. This is Jewish humor. I'm Jewish. Russell's Jewish. I think you'll like this joke. Two Jews get off the train. They're at one of the camps. One Jew turns to the other. He says, uh -oh. you know. <laughs> you're going to get us canceled. We made no, it this, this far. Is the, it's not that bad a joke. Right, it just, the right, setup right. is darker than the punchline. The punchline right, is right. very mainstream, benign New York Jewish humor. Okay? Right, they right. get off the train at the camp. One of the Jews turns to the other. He says, you know, I don't like the look of this man. Maybe we should try to... Get the hell out of here. Guy turns to the other and says, Hey, we're already here. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a Jewish that's Jewish that, humor. That, that is very, very Jewish humor. The the Gentiles might not get that joke. But right, if that, there are any Gentiles who want to cancel us on this stream, just understand that's Jewish humor. It's okay if you didn't get it. Trust me, it was a joke. Yes, yes. Yeah, very exactly. very Jackie very Jackie Mason. Right, yeah, exactly. That was a very exactly. Jackie Mason joke. Proud to say I made that joke up. I did not hear that from somewhere. I made it up. Um, all, all right, right shall all we? All right, I made up a I made up a much dirtier Jewish joke. All right, go what, ahead. What, what did Saul Moskowitz say to Ida Moskowitz when she asked him to go down on her? <laughs> What's that? I could eat. <laughs> <laughs> that could work uh, the other way too. It could. It could work. It could go both ways. Sure. Yeah, exactly.
exactly. Um, all right, we got some new viewers here. Thank you guys very much. We have a very lively chat in the YouTube. Um, Facebook, I'm going to have to try something a little different next week. This happened on our dry run live stream where the Facebook sent out two links. It sent out the announcement link, which was different from the live stream link. So I think that has suppressed our Facebook audience a bit. But we still have a great crowd in here. Some new faces. Captain Obvious, thank you so much wait, wait, which, for watching. Which punchline? Which one didn't you get? You missed one of our punchlines. Say what punchline again? So my punchline was, eh, we're already here. And, mine and Russell's. Was I could eat. I could eat. Now, unfortunately, we can't explain the I could eat punchline <laughs> in great detail. I, I can explain the F eh, we're already here. Oh, the second joke. Yeah. Wait, that, well, that's I could that, eat. Yeah. yeah, that's I could eat. All right. Well, you, all right. If you don't get that one, anyone get it? Oh, my. All right. Do we have to explain? It's, Sal asks Ida to go down on him, and she says, ah, I could eat. Meaning, okay, sure. Yeah. The, the, there's a very because it's a very Jewish thing, right? Uh, you hungry? Uh, I could eat. I could eat. I could I'm not eat. really hungry, but I I could do uh, it. I if everybody's eat. doing yeah. it, all right, I'll do it. I won't be a ball buster. I won't say no. I'm not hungry. Let's wait till later. All right, I'll eat now. Right, exactly. Uh, like I said, we got some new YouTube viewers. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you like this stream and share this stream. Captain Obvious, nice to meet you. Brenda V, nice to meet you too. Thank you for the chat comments. Glad you're digging the show, Zach. I, You've watched us before. Zach, your name sounds familiar. Bill Bradley. Hey, Bill. Thank you, guys. We have a great crowd this evening. This is going very well, and I we're about to give you our hit sequel to our Vanguard Aaron Mate coverage. So I'm going to set this up very, very quickly. Um, if you're stumbling upon this segment as a YouTube viewer, um, surely if you're interested in this, you know that Aaron Mate appeared on the Vanguard show about a week and a half ago. And the Vanguard boys decided to ambush him first by grilling him for 25 minutes about his interview with Colonel Douglas McGregor, who is an outspoken critic of the West's handling of the Russia-Ukraine war. Douglas McGregor uh, also in that conversation denied that the United States deliberately killed civilians in Vietnam. Aaron Mate pushed back on that claim, but not hard enough for the Vanguard boys' satisfaction. So the first 25 minutes of the interview was them hounding Aaron Mate about why he didn't, I guess, hang up on the guy for saying the wrong thing about the Vietnam War. Yeah. Then they pivoted to an even more ridiculous segment where they mentioned a tweet by Ben Norton, which accuses certain left commentators of coddling right wingers. And the Vanguard guys said, hey, um, Aaron, what do you think about Ben Norton suggesting that perhaps you are one of these coddlers? Not only do you coddle right wingers, but you coddle, supposedly, people like Jackson Hinkle and Jimmy Dore who coddle right wingers. So they were basically accusing Aaron of coddling people who coddle right wingers. So I guess Aaron was two degrees of separation in terms of coddling Marjorie Taylor Greene. And they went on and on about this. And Aaron Mate said, look, if you've got a problem with Jackson Hinkle, have Jackson Hinkle on the show and ask him why he coddles Marjorie Taylor Greene. Don't ask me why I coddle Jackson Hinkle. First of all, I don't coddle Jackson Hinkle. And secondly, uh, this is not anything I'm really interested in talking about. You want to talk to me about my ideas, do that. Otherwise, leave me alone. Ask Jackson Hinkle what he thinks about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Don't ask me what I think about what Jackson Hinkle thinks about Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
And of course, you had back and forth. At one point, Gavin, the guy with the long hair, starts laughing at Aaron while he's talking. Aaron goes to speak, and Gavin interrupts and with the now classic. famous. Hey, 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 hey. Exactly. That's not on a soundboard now. He interrupts him. Hey, 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 hey. Just extremely rude and unprofessional interview. They got a lot of heat for it. And so they decided in their Q&A show when the subject came up, as it inevitably would, that they would address some of these criticisms. And uh, here they are. We're going to play that right now. Why did your interview with Mate sound like the Jank interview of Bree? Um, <laughs> Just so you know, that setup regarding Jank uh, and Brianna Joy Gray. Jank Uger interviewed Brianna Joy Gray where he did basically the same thing to her. Why are you so nice to Jimmy Dore? Right. All that shit. Right. Why are you coddling? He called her a coddler, too. <laughs> so, again, like Zach said, you know, I'm willing to admit that it wasn't my best performance. Like, I'm not saying that I, I fucking destroyed Aaron Mate or that it was like the best debate performance that we've done. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm obviously willing to take criticism and, and hear the feedback. And I understand that a lot of people think that I, you know, went a little bit too aggressive and I got a little bit too triggered, perhaps. And I understand that. Um, so I'm not saying that I, like, you know, did a great job or whatever. Uh, but yeah, spare me the fucking pearl clutching. Uh, spare me the tone policing. And as far as uh, it's sounding like a, the Jank interview. Okay, first of all, spare you the pearl clutching and the tone policing. Nobody's tone policing you. Nobody's saying that you can't curse or you can't be bawdy or you can't be loose and freewheeling. We have guests on our show all the time and we curse. We talk the way we talk to each other when they're here. That's the idea. We're bringing them into our show. We don't change the whole show for them. Fr frankly, we have, we have gotten some very high-end guests who I think were a little taken aback by our swearing and cursing like sailors. Yeah, but they're good sports. I mean, this is yeah, the show yeah. they came on, and they were yeah, fine, and it was right. fine. What you did was not just a matter of your tone being off. You were obnoxious and rude, and the key thing here is you were condescending to a guy who, on his worst day, is 100 times the journalist and commentator that you douchebags will ever be. <laughs> and that's the that's, that's it. The it is. That's it. Right. Like we had Stephen Marsh on the show. Stephen Marsh is a great author. You know, he was making the rounds. He did Morning Joe the day after he did our show. Right. Yeah. And Stephen Marsh wrote this book uh, that asked the question, are we headed towards the next civil war? And through that conversation, I asked him, I said, hey, um, what do you think Obama's responsibility is for this? Because when Obama took office, right. you know, he promised to go to bat for ordinary people after the financial crisis hit, and he didn't. Instead, he sicked his um, Department of Justice on the little guys who lied on well, their mortgages on the and let the yeah. bankers skate. And Stephen kind of, you know, obviously was an Obama fan. And he said, well, you know, he gave kind of a, you know, a lib answer. He said, well, look, we can second guess Obama. But the bottom line is, you know, he took office at a very difficult time and he prevented the next, you know, depression. And so, you know, we can debate that uh, some other time. I'm here to talk about what I'm here to talk about. And so I said, OK, fair enough. Like, I made my point. You push back. I think I even pushed back by saying, well, he could have done a lot more than he did unilaterally. It's not like he needed Congress for that. But, you know, Marsh just said, OK, I take your point. Maybe there's stuff he could have done, but let's move on. What nobody did and so was... we moved on. What I didn't... Shut up. Shut nobody up. Did that. And, and I didn't do what the Vanguard guys suggested Aaron Mate do 
to Douglas McGregor, which is get into a prolonged debate over something that is only tangentially related to what our guest came on the show to talk about. Right. You have an esteemed guest giving him your time that he probably doesn't have. The guy was doing interview after interview after interview. Between Andrew Yang and MSNBC, he squeezed us in, right? So, like, you and know. I, and, I, and I think at that time, because we really, for, we started out doing articles, then we did the podcast. We only really started focusing on YouTube around December of this year. Right. I, I, th exactly. I think we had under a thousand subscribers. Oh, way under a thousand. Yeah, this is way when our under. YouTube show was just getting started. We, we had a decent audio it. listenership, but not a big YouTube show. So right. he came on. He did us a huge favor. He was very gracious. And, you know, we engaged. I didn't just let him skate on that point because I have a responsibility to my viewers and my audience to let them know that I'm going to stick up for my ideas, even in the face of, you know, a big guest like that. I'm not just going to let them roll over me right but we exchanged a couple of thoughts and he wanted to leave it at that and so the thing to do as a professional host is to leave it at that when the guest says let's leave it at that That's it. you don't badger them you don't hang up on them you don't, <laughs> you don't squeak at them and laugh at them and mock them right so that's the issue it wasn't that your tone was off it's that you were being an arrogant little shit right all right let's to your, keep going to, to your superior to your superior exactly Jake started out that interview by saying, why are you friends with Jimmy Dore? You know, he, that was his basically his first question to Brianna Joy Gray. It was he was trying to tie her to Jimmy and Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, we got like 40 minutes into the Aaron interview before anyone else got brought up. And I was OK, that is just flagrantly untrue. First of all, your entire interview was 40 minutes long. The first 25 minutes were about Aaron Mate's soft treatment of Douglas McGregor. So where you got the idea that no one else came up for the first 40 minutes, well, I don't they know. Did, they, they, did, they did that. You ever, you, ever see, uh, you ever see the Chappelle thing where, where he, had, um, he had Rick James on and, he, he, you know, the real Rick James, he's interviewing him. Right. And Rick James said, man, I got because because Charlie Murphy was telling the story about him rubbing his dirty boots on the couch in Eddie Murphy's house. He goes, man, I, I think I got I think I got more sense than to than to be doing something like that. And then he immediately after says, oh, yeah, I rubbed my shoes on the couch. <laughs> and then they, they did the instant replay. Right. <laughs> OK, he did that in the interview with Aaron Mate. He says, so, like, uh, if you're going to cancel Amy Goodman. And Aaron Mate challenged that. He said, I, I, I never I never canceled Amy Goodman. And he literally, it was within two minutes, he says, I never said you canceled Amy Goodman. So the, these guys are just lying little douches. You know, they're just not even telling the truth. They're not even making an honest argument within their own parameters. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just extraordinary how you could say that. I mean, the, the whole, the whole, first of all, every single show you guys ever do is about talking about gossip relating to how other online left people get along or don't get along this interview like i said as soon as it starts the first topic you bring up was that he was coddling a war yeah, criminal right. general right all right let's let's keep going 
Sorry. I wasn't even trying to talk about Jackson Hinkle specifically. The reason that got brought up is because I wanted Aaron to react to Ben Norton's tweet. You know, I didn't even want to talk about Jackson Hinkle. He's just, you know, obviously a part of this, but uh, I didn't want to talk about Jackson Hinkle, even though I brought him up and he is a part of this. And and, and he wouldn't drop the subject when clearly Aaron kept trying to redirect <laughs> right, and he refused and get to off drop that the subject. subject. Right, exactly. I wanted to talk about Ben Norton, Aaron Mate's former colleague, his assessment of this burgeoning faction. Why did you want the, to talk about that? Unquote, right, why? Like like that's okay. That's right, not okay yeah. either. Why did you want to talk about any of this? Right. It's all gossip. With Aaron gossip. Mate. Right. With right with Aaron Mate. <laughs> exactly. Left, people like uh, Jackson Hinkle, Jimmy Dore, Max Blumenthal, people that are trafficking more and more so in right-wing talking points. So I was interested in Aaron's response to his former colleague's uh, commentary on that situation because I happen to really agree with Ben Norton and I think even people that you know thought we did a bad job in that debate I think even people that thought that will agree there is this split among the anti-imperialist left between people like Jackson Hinkle and Max Blumenthal who increasingly pander to the right wing and traffic and transphobic talking points and cuddle oh, up course. to cozy up to fascists like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tucker Carlson uh -huh. and people that don't I think that's a real dynamic that exists. I wanted to hear Aaron's perspective on it. Unfortunately, you know, the conversation kind of got derailed because Jackson Hinkle got brought up and, and then it all. Jackson Hinkle got brought up. That's, right. a, that's got, a passive way of saying it. it. Was, you it was, brought well, Jackson Hinkle or, up. Or, 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 it's, or it's, the, it's just or extraordinary. The Greek, Deus asks Machina. Right, right, exactly. It was, it it's was just, just extraordinary. It came down from the wings. No this one guy says, we didn't want to talk about other people. We just started out by asking him why he coddled Douglas McGregor. And then our second question was, what do you think of Ben Norton's tweet about Max Blumenthal, uh, Jackson Hinkle, and Jimmy Dore coddling Marjorie Taylor Greene? And do you think you're implicated in that tweet as well? Because he seems to think that you coddle the people who coddle. But we don't want to talk about anybody else. We want to keep this about you. I mean, just absolutely absurd went down the toilet what happened with that aaron thing was he knew he was getting his ass destroyed in that debate by having the simp for a fucking war criminal that had <laughs> you talk about fucking delusional he knew he was getting his ass destroyed in that debate he knew yeah. he was he was he was in that debate on 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 the you know third grade schoolyard Right when the tall kid is fighting the short kid and the exactly. short kid can't reach him, so exactly. he puts his hand out on exactly. the short kid's head. That was Aaron know, in that what, debate. What, That's what how is, effortlessly that? he was who, crushing who you in I that. Coddling? Who right, am I coddling? Like he was. Right. I, I kept remarking, watching it. This guy must meditate three hours a day. How right. he is maintaining this level of patience and poise, but that's part of it. They're not on his level. They're not on his level. He, he just didn't even take them seriously. I do we know anything about these guys? I mean, this is a level of douchebaggery usually is not unattached to a trust fund. It's it's very rare you'll find douches like this from the working class. I mean, they look like they're broadcasting from jail. They look like they're in pro like their set looks like they're in prison. <laughs> It does. Like, it's a uniform. They have the same windows and the same walls. Are they in the they, same room? True, are they just true? That's like, true. Are they? Are, well, well, no. Are I mean, they in adjacent is, this cells? There's probably like a room in their parents' house. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Let's let's keep going absolutely nothing to contribute to the show except being a broken clock that Aaron could put up and uh, have spout the opinion that Aaron wanted to, and he knew we were clobbering him for that. So what happened was, is Aaron, or uh, excuse me, 
Gavin pivoted to a new question where he was asking Aaron, and this you guys can f play the fucking clip. I've watched it back. Uh, he goes on, and uh, Gavin wants to ask him about this new, like, left-right populist thing going on. And Aaron gets all fucking uppity because he knows exactly what he's talking about, the people that he constantly indulges at all times to pay his bills. Uh, and he gets all pissed off, and he's like, well, what do you even mean? And Gavin's like, you know what I mean. The guys like Jimmy Dore and Jackson Hinkle uh, who constantly make this kind of content. This would have been an absolute non-issue in any other framing. Like, let's imagine for a second, right, uh, that – um, uh, you know, it's it, it just like that we're having Ron Placone on to react to something that like Crystal Ball said, right? And I'm like, oh, do you fucking agree with this? And then Ron loses. Him. You should have Crystal here, goddamn! It's like, no, dude, we just fucking asked for your opinion about this random thing. He didn't lose his mind at all. No, it was it was it was preternaturally calm. <laughs> it was like it was like the fucking Dalai Lama in that interview. <laughs> You guys were the ones who were freaking out for God knows what reason. I don't know what you wanted him to say. If you talk about a conversation, you oh, can't. Oh live. yeah, he was the one freaking hey, out. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it was Aaron who was freaking out. Exactly. Because we use these n big names in our fucking thing as framing for good conversation, right? We've done it a million times, and he loses his fucking mind because he he can't stand the fact. Again, he loses his mind. Go back right, and so, watch the so, tape. So according to some of our viewers, they are uh, roommates in Kansas City. Oh, that makes sense. It makes sense why the walls and windows are the same. Yeah. All right. That he's fucking associated with the guy that's going to tweet shit like, you're a fem cell if you're a woman and you don't like Andrew Tate. Or like, Putin is based. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me back this up here. Still here, God, it's like, no, dude, we just fucking ask for your opinion about this random thing. Because we use these n big names in our fucking thing as framing for good conversation, right? We've Okay, so now this guy goes off on a rant, not about Aaron Mate, but about Jackson Hinkle, which was Aaron Mate's whole point, right? Why are right. you dragging me into Why are you beef obsessed? with Jackson Hinkle? Right? Why are you so obsessed listen with Jackson to this. Hinkle? This is astounding. Done it a million times. And he loses his fucking mind because he, he can't stand the fact that he's fucking associated with the guy that's going to tweet shit like you're. So he's associated with the guy who's going to tweet shit. We mentioned that Aaron Mate is associated with Jackson Hinkle, and here's why that's bad, because this is what Jackson Hinkle does. Here's the list. A fem cell if you're a woman and you don't like Andrew Tate, or like Putin is based. Ask me why. It's because it's fucking embarrassing for him, and I can't imagine what it is. It's not embarrassing for him because he didn't say that. Jackson Hinkle said that. The right. fact that Aaron Mate right. has a what civil is, and cordial relationship. What he right. kept coming back to is... <laughs> I will always defend him against censorship. Right, that's all he said. All he said is he shouldn't be censored. And, and how does I, and that? I, and, he's and not like owning any of these points on Syria. Right, exactly. He's not owning any of these points. It feels like to have to fucking defend that shit. So no fucking shit. He got angry. He didn't okay. defend it. Yeah, he didn't women defend. who don't he didn't, like Andrew Tate. He didn't even Andrew want Tate to talk about it. It was too juvenile for him. Right. You guys kept grilling him on it because you obviously have an axe to grind against Jackson Hinkle. You guys are using Aaron Mate to fight Jackson Hinkle. It's interesting because Aaron Mate is an expert on proxy wars, and you are using Aaron Mate a as proxy a proxy yeah. to fight Jackson Hinkle. The Vanguard is fighting Jackson Hinkle to the last you're, Aaron Mate. You're, 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 you're That's kinda, what they're doing. You're kind of like Putin. They're kind of right. like Putin. They're, right. fighting, they're fighting Jackson Hinkle to the last Aaron Mate. That's what they're doing. That's right. That's what they're doing. That's this right. is a proxy war that they've waged on Jackson Hinkle through Aaron Mate.
does film sales. Putin is the top G right now. You have to be dumb as rocks. Do you guys think I'm ever going to fucking bend an inch with this bullshit? Of course not, dude. This Look at this imbecile scrolling through <laughs> Jackson Hinkle's Twitter feed as if it implicates Aaron Mate in anything. I mean, look at the idiocy of this. You would think he's tweeting, he's scrolling through Aaron Mate's Twitter feed. If Aaron Mate had on his feed that Putin is based in your fem cell if you don't like Aaron Mate. Okay, this is, a not, this is not Aaron Mate's Twitter feed. This is a guy who knows Aaron Mate, who Aaron Mate said, yeah, he shouldn't be censored on YouTube. And that implicates Aaron Mate in all of these shitty opinions of Jackson Hinkles? I mean, just laughably idiotic. Shockingly the, the, idiotic. The, the, did Zach date? Jackson Hinkle at some point because it kind of seems that way. All right, it's like he's he's, he's looking to find oh. out who who, he, who he's seeing now. All right, yeah, right, exactly. This guy's a fucking clown. Like this guy's a fucking clown. What does the screen say there, genius? The screen says Jackson Hinkle, not Aaron Mate. Jackson Hinkle is, if you think Jackson Hinkle is a clown and you want to challenge him on being a clown, then invite him on and call him a clown. Don't invite Aaron Mate on to take sides about whether or not Jackson Hinkle is a clown. Just extraordinary. It's fucking ridiculous. Five days into the carnivore diet. Are you fucking kidding me? This guy wants to be the liver king. Oh. Jackson Hinkle wants to be the liver king. Aaron Mate does not. You're talking about a different person. I mean, how stupid can one jackass be? You're talking about di two different people here. Okay, it's fucking stupid. Um, so, no, I don't care about that guy. I don't want to debate that guy. I want to know why, if you think that this is a problem, that this is where the fucking left is going through. Uh, uh, a year ago, this guy was making a video that said, rest in power, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And now he's saying Putin is based. And you don't think that's indicative of any fucking change? This is your fucking guy because one time he plagiarized your fucking article. It's not his guy. How is it his guy? It's his guy because Aaron Mate, what, knows him? And thinks he shouldn't be censored on YouTube? That makes him his guy? Well, in a debate with well, Bosch. This is, this is McCarthyism. This is, have you is. or anyone you is. known coddled right-wingers? Well, this, this, is, this is where sometimes it's frightening because you're on the left and you see people who are, you know, within that spectrum. And you say, God, what am I fighting for? Because if these people ever really get any real power, it's it's going to be like when Bane took over Gotham. They're going right. to be having kangaroo courts run by the scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan K memes, like dank memes. I get it. Excellent work, my friend. And thank you for the $2. We got a super chat here. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, Vanguard is just jelly that Jackson has six times more subs yeah jackson has a much bigger show and look i don't mean to uh get drawn into this beef here but i'm not the biggest jackson hinkle fan but that's not the point i mean that, that's it's irrelevant what i think of jackson hinkle I, I is I as irrelevant know, to this conversation hinkle if he fell on me in a cap yeah so russell doesn't even know who he is i've seen some of his stuff i'm not a huge fan like i said i feel about hinkle probably the exact same way that aaron mate feels about hinkle which is, yeah, he's done some good work. He's done some not so good work. Who gives a fuck? Why are you dragging me on your show to litigate Jackson Hinkle's Twitter feed? It's absurd. It's the most juvenile, absurd fucking thing you could do. Well, the whole the whole thing, it just sounds like high school. Yeah, exactly. It's just high did school. You, did you hear what he said about her? <laughs> right, exactly. She said about him. And, uh, what uh, interest uh, does Aaron like, Mate what? have in this? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd.
to fucking argue that Syria is something he knows absolutely nothing about. You just like him because he parroted your exact fucking point, issue by issue by issue. Okay, so don't ask us about the Aaron Maté interview, guys. This is this is low hanging fruit. Unsubscribe if you want to fucking be a gray zone stan. Uh, I don't fucking care. I'm not tailoring this content for you. Or a do dissident stan. Unsubscribe yeah, yeah. and become unsubscribe and become a do dissident stan. We exactly. need we need stands. Okay. I'm, I I'm not Let's get saying... some stands up in this bitch. We need some do dissident stands. Okay. We're I, now I am, accepting. I am not stands. saying we are doing the kind of important journalism that the gray zone does, but they're not gonna make a Yiddish oral sex joke. So That's there's true. that. Well, there's that. And also, look, the gray zone, they already have enough stands, okay? We're a little yeah. behind in our stand cap. Fuck them. Right. <laughs> exactly. Fuck them. We could use a few stands. All right. So look, 300. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go get your fucking shine box. Exactly. Uh, you know, we we uh, gained about uh, 300 subs since we published our first Vanguard video. They lost about 300 subs since they published that Aaron Mate interview. They so probably they all came here. There's a transference of stands going on. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I, I'm never going to. It's yeah. fucking obnoxious. And if you have ten brain cells, you can see what's going on with the Jackson Hinkle crowd. Uh, you can, you know, you can call everybody soy boys and get jacked eating raw liver somewhere else. It's not going to be the fucking Vanguard chat room. Why Yo, did you? These guys seem awful hung up on Jackson Hinkle. I mean, you could see he's got a two-minute rant there about Jackson Hinkle. You could tell. You could tell Jackson Hinkle really is the third roommate of the vanguard because he's living rent free in that apartment somehow i mean what the fuck what is just bizarre you saw i mean he didn't take a breath that whole time it was pretty good broadcasting i do have to give him that like he that was a and that was just a non-stop stream of consciousness he had good flow there but how you can go on for two and a half minutes about what an asshole jackson hinkle is as if that's justification for your treatment of aaron mate which you got called out for by literally thousands of your own viewers. I mean, they had right. almost 3,000 comments on that initial <laughs> on the initial interview video, all telling them what assholes they're almost all telling them what assholes they were. How you could think you came off looking good in that and how it's obnoxious for people to take issue with that when the very thing they were taking issue with is how just um, plainly obnoxious you were to him. Just right. really... That, that's a that's a hell of a non-apology uh, statement that they put out there. Well, and to answer does, Brenda's so, yeah. question, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Brenda asked a while back up on the chat if uh, I saw their debate with Sam Cedar this afternoon. I actually listened to some of it while I was grocery shopping, but then Russell had a technical issue that he needed my help resolving, so I, I called Russell and worked that out with him. I didn't see all of that. What, what I will tell you, though, is that... Um, that debates, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's the, the hey, hey, hey guy? Gavin, right? Gavin, right? He conducted himself much better with Sam than he did with Aaron. And I would suspect, again, I, I you know, I'm not interested enough to probe their mental state as much as would be necessary to say this for sure. But I suspect they know what assholes they looked like uh, in that Mate interview. And they said, we better book a debate soon and do it very professionally so that people sort of forget the way we treated Aaron. That's my theory as to why that debate happened when it did. We, we can do a debate without being total assholes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so anyway, that's my theory there. Um, 
And that's pretty much our show for the evening, right? What else do we got? We got anything else? No, I think that's it. One clip we forgot to play. Yeah, well, it's almost a wrap. I just want to play this last clip. Yeah, I want to play the prescription drugs bit of Biden's speech because we got carried away and didn't do it. This is from Dark Brandon's speech where he turned from warning about fascism. He, He tried to strike a more optimistic tone towards the end of the speech, talking about all the great things that America was capable of. And I thought this one was particularly funny. So let's just take a look real quick before we wrap up here. I believe we could make America safer. So we passed the most significant gun safety law since President Clinton. I believe we could go from being the highest cost of prescriptions in the world to making prescription drugs and health care more affordable. So we passed the most significant health care reform since President Obama signed the Affordable Care Act. I believe we can go from having the most expensive prescription drugs in the world to lowering the cost of 20 of those drugs over the next eight years they're still going to be by far more the most expensive uh, in the world but we can lower the cost of a couple dozen of them for seniors on medicare by 2030 i believe that we I, can do that i i understand that comparing it to obamacare is a leper with the most fingers contest <laughs> right exactly and that's why I picked that example because it will look good by comparison. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh yeah, that was that was <laughs> it was really funny because you could see that he wanted to say something more but he couldn't say it. Like no, he because of course. It. And now we're going to fix that. He couldn't actually <laughs> say that. No, because so the whole neoliberal could, conceit yeah. is that we must continue paying market rate for prescription drugs. So all we can do is make that market rate lower, but it's still right. a market rate. Whereas every other first world country on earth doesn't pay market rate. They pay, if anything, a right. menial, you know, fee to the right. pharmacy, you know, 10 bucks or whatever. Right. Um, if that, some of, sometimes it's totally free. Sometimes We're going they, they to make zero. a few drugs slightly more affordable. <laughs> right. And that's what we're fighting for in this election. By Not even now. By 2030, right. Phased in over, over eight And uh, by years. that time, that will probably get removed from legislation by the Republicans. Right. By that time, Ron DeSantis will be president and he'll say, you know what? Never mind. Game over. Because all this bill we're, does we're is gonna, allow... We're get the cross hammer <laughs> Well, all this bill does is allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices. Do you believe that a Republican uh, HHS appointee is going to negotiate or they're going to let Big Pharma charge what they want? I'm going to go in an unexpected direction with this. You know, Ron DeSantis just opened up a lawsuit against the U.S. government because Florida was the first state to apply for the new experimental program of being able to import drugs from Canada. And they've been waiting 900 days for an answer, so they sued. This is what I keep saying about Ron DeSantis. Everyone's looking at Trump. Forget about Trump. Ron DeSantis is your real deal fascist. He's the one who understands that you actually have to deliver for people to actually want to put that into power. National Socialist. Exactly, right. National Socialist. It was not called the National Fascist Party. It's called the National Socialist Party. He gets that. Exactly. Exactly. There was a fascinating piece of video. We don't have it right now that I watched. Um, we'll do a couple. Maybe we'll do a segment on this midweek of Marjorie Taylor Greene speaking at the recent Trump rally in Pennsylvania. And she says she says into the microphone, Donald Trump won the 2020 
uh, race. And you could, there was applause, but it was not thunderous applause. And you could even see in the background, half of the people were like sitting down. That's a bad sign for Trump. That, that shows that the, you know, his mystique may be starting to wear off. So I'm coming around to the opinion that perhaps you're right, that uh, at the very least, a DeSantis-Trump primary is going to be a lot more competitive than it originally seemed like. I mean, I mean, look, I have long regretted that I didn't follow my gut and place a bet on Trump in 2016 because the odds on that were paying out like eight to one. I'm not going to make that mistake this time. I'm putting money on Ron DeSantis. Damn it. There you go. Russell, Years money out. Ron DeSantis. Yo, you, you place that bet now. You know what the odds are going to be? I mean, that that's going to pay out like like 50 to one. That's true. That would pay out pretty well. That's a good point. Um, I posted the links, folks. We have a really good crowd in here this evening, and thank you guys so much for watching. I posted the links to our Patreon and our Substack. Uh, our Patreon tiers begin at 5 bucks a month. You get four exclusive videos every month and one exclusive full-length audio podcast, uh, which we've been live streaming the last couple months, and that's worked out really good. We also uh, have— I, I, I just want to comment. Apparently, some of our some of our viewers tonight have been banned by other stations. I just want to tell you, we have no standards. What do you mean we, banned by other stations? Like like blocked on the chat? I, I guess they've been blocked from channels, yeah. No, yeah. We, we, we don't do that. This we is a free speech that. zone here. Exactly. That's it. Absolutely. That's it. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Yeah, you want you you your Uncle Rolf from our, who went to Argentina after the war. He wants to come on. He can come on. No problem. Frank, I don't know if that's Frank Arroyo, but Frank is uh, taking your advice, Russell. He says he's placing that bet now because he thinks you're right. It'll be decided. Frank, I, I am very rarely wrong about things like that. Okay, just, you know, I think you're, I think, you know, Frank is a patron, so just just don't bet your patron money. Just, you know, keep don't that. Don't bet your patron. Hold, hold, just, just hold back that much. <laughs> exactly. But right. put everything else on DeSantis. I'll, get, exactly. I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll give you my big stock pick also, folks. Ford. Forward. and this should not be construed as financial advice i was about to say purposes. yeah make sure you get that in otherwise yeah. we will get shut off this should not be construed as financial advice but yes i like ford as the winner in the ev wars all right I believe there you ford go. is going to come out on top because they have right. the most built-in brand loyalty well there you go you got two picks from russell this evening um Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you so much. This was a really lively uh, chat here. We really thank you guys. Once again, patreon.com tiers start at five bucks a month to help us grow this channel. Once again, the reason we have this tech up, the reason why we got our backgrounds here, the reason why we're able to switch uh, sets here like this and like this and like this, the reason we're able to tell the Vanguard boys to home and get your fucking shine box is because Damn of you right. guys. And so uh, we want to thank our patrons very much and our paid Substack supporters. Even if you cannot sign up as a paid Substack subscriber, we ask you to sign up for free anyway, because when you sign up for free, that gets you a subscription to our audio podcast feed, which goes out to all the major podcast players, Apple, Spotify, uh, all that stuff. Um, and also... Uh, you get access to our articles and our short-form video clips. As soon as we drop them, we put them on the Substack. So um, please sign up, dodissidents.substack.com. If you can swing 5 bucks a month or $50 for the year, 
that's awesome. It helps us pay for stuff like this and do as many streams as we can. Even if you can't sign up for free, it helps you keep in touch with us. And that, in all seriousness, is, of course, the most important thing. We want every we want as many people as possible on these streams, engaging with this content as we head into midterm season. And then the 2024 presidential race starts as soon as the polls close on November 8th. So uh, thank you guys very much. Russell, any final words here to our crowd here? Vote once, vote often. There you go. All righty, guys. Thank you so much. This was a great stream. Really, really appreciate you guys and all the engagement this evening. Have a great evening. Uh, thank you for watching. Thanks to our podcast listeners for listening. This will be up on the feed probably tomorrow. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.